Welcome to episode 77 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now, here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Everyone and their grandmother is now offering a program to help you get your 2018 started with a bang. That's because this time of year is when we are all more open to making changes in our life. And being open to change is a very important criteria to actually making a change. Are you ready to make a shift in the way you approach the world to discover new ways of being? Are you ready to act? Is building stronger relationships and a diverse network on your to-do list for 2018? I'm offering a complimentary 60-minute strategy session for anyone interested in learning more about my Intentional Connections Mastermind. That's an online group coaching program for women coaches and speakers. I help these entrepreneurs shift their mindset around relationship building so they can discover new connections and business opportunities in the world around them and know how to act on them. If you're ready to shift, discover, and act, sign up for your complimentary 60-minute strategy session at robbysamuels.com forward slash mastermind. That's robbysamuels.com forward slash mastermind. I really look forward to chatting with you. On the Schmooze is proud to be a headliner on C-Suite Radio, which is part of the C-Suite Network, a network of a half million C-level executives. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest believes that company culture trumps strategy every time, and that storytelling is an essential part of creating a business. He has a successful track record as a leader with a strong focus on sales and customer engagement. As part of Eloqua's executive team, he helped lead the company from $0 to over $100 million in revenue. Then, through IPO, and a successful acquisition for $957 million by Oracle. Most recently, he's the CEO and co-founder of Nudge AI. He and his co-founder knew that the best sales professionals understand that people buy from the people they know, like, and trust. In a world that's become overloaded with information, it's becoming harder to build trusted, authentic relationships with buyers and existing customers. Their answer was to build a modern sales platform that uses artificial intelligence to provide sales teams with actual insights on their target customers. And it's really taken off, Paul. So I am so thrilled to have you join me. Welcome, Paul Tashima. Thanks, Robbie, for having me. I'm excited to be on your show. So you're joining us from Toronto. And um, I definitely want to dive into what it is that Nudge is doing, because I've been using it now for the last month or so after I learned about it and telling folks about it. But first, I want to just you know get your sense of leadership, because this show is about leadership and building great networks. So Tell me, what does leadership mean to you? And when did you first realize you had the skills to lead? You know, I, I think leadership for me is, um, and I'll take a, a view of it that may be a little different than some, because I think you can be a great manager, but not be a great leader. And you can be a great leader, but not a great manager. And I always think that uh, great leadership is all about how you make people feel when they're doing things. So in other words, it, you, a great manager can get a team to accomplish fantastic tasks, fantastic projects and milestones but a great leader makes them feel good as they're doing it. And so it's that idea of instilling motivation, inspiration. And some people have it, some people have to learn it or work on it, but I think that's what it is for me. 
I love it because you're right. The outcome might be the same, but the people doing the work may not feel the same. And it's hard for them to keep doing that. Like, that's a, it's a good way to get burnout. <laughs> if you don't know why you're doing the things you're doing and you, know, you have a taskmaster who's just getting you to move forward, move forward. And so it sounds like a leader is sort of bringing people into the process much more. Um, and I, I have a feeling that's, that's how you're leading. So where did you first get some sense of that? Was, was there a time even much younger when people saw leadership potential in you or were you kind of the quiet kid in class? Uh, I don't, I don't know if I was ever, you know, all the way back in the high school, I definitely was one of the ones who was managing the, what are we doing this weekend or where are we uh, going yeah. to party? So at the last couple of years, I was certainly, I think one of my nicknames was the quarterback. So uh, I had a little bit of that in the social side. I think for me, uh, I was always a big lead by example type leader. And I think as uh, in the first company, Eloqua, uh, I had the largest team. We had the customers. We were cloud, the front of the first cloud players. So it was all about customer success. And, and so I had an opportunity to really lead by example and focus on customer success. Mm-hmm. So did you seek out any kind of formal titles as you were moving up, like whether it was in high school, college, you know, your first years out into the career? Or was it more like, um, you know, you just you was running your own business the first time you're like, yes, this is a leadership position. Yeah, I, I I don't even think I thought of it that way. You're right. I I I think when we we started that company and we started to 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 grow, it was just natural. It was just something that mm-hmm. I wanted to do. I, I liked working with people and, and I like helping them. Yeah. So, what do you find most rewarding about the work you're doing today? Uh, the best part about all this about business is helping other people and seeing them be successful. And I think that's why we're even doing another startup is the journey of the people we meet, people like you, people our customers the team that I'm, we're growing mm-hmm. and it's going through those experiences and learning. That's the best part of what we do today. And then seeing customers be successful because they're, they are believing and are trying and are risking things to try things differently with us. So what was the problem that you saw that your, your um, product is, is solving? What was it that you were like, I keep running into this. Like no people keep running into this. And, and then, yeah. How, what was your vision for tackling that problem? I think the, the we spent all this time working with marketing and sales leadership at my previous company. So we saw a lot of deals, a lot of sales cycles, you know, thousands and thousands of them. And I think when we saw, what we saw was that the best salespeople had this incredible ability to build trust with the customer and leverage their network and do all these incredible things to get this deal to happen. And you know, only the top reps really did that well. And in this day and age, everyone's network has exploded with all these weak connections and, you know, Twitter followers and LinkedIn connections, and it's so hard to keep track of it. And so we wanted to try and help the modern sales professional better manage their network and leverage it and then to be better at building relationships. So is your primary target salespeople or do you also have people like me? Like, I guess I'm not doing it for direct sales so much as just how do you nurture your network as a professional in the world? Do you have sort of two tiers of customers in that way? I think we, I, and, and although you say you're not directly in sales, I'm sure yeah. you sell. Um, sure. I think that we help, we have a free product that certainly is geared towards any professional who cares about their network and, and, and quote unquote sells mm-hmm. uh, or uses relationships as part of their business. And then we have a paid product that's really for a VP of sales who wants to understand pipeline and, and worries about things like slip deals. Mm-hmm. So that's really the two different things we focus on. And what was most challenging as you were trying to think about taking this on? Like what's, what's the hurdle and how did you overcome it? I think there were two things that when we started this company, I think one was 
because um, Steve and I had already, my co-founder Steve Woods, we were at the, the company, same company, Eloqua, before. We knew this was going to be a hard journey. And so we really wanted, uh, we were really, I'm not worried, but we wanted, we were cautious about making sure that we were all all in, you know, making sure that we were going <laughs> to do it again and, and be for, focused and work really hard. And so we put a lot of attention on the business to make sure we were doing that. I think the second challenge is one that maybe many enterprise or software companies face is that today's end, end user, business user, has a really high bar for what they expect from a product. Mm. I mean, it's this term consumerization of the enterprise. I mean, they, they think it sh- everything should be as easy as a Facebook app. And, and if I try something, it's got to be valuable in the first 20 seconds. And so there's this really high bar to get value. Um, and, and I think that for us, that's taken some time and it's been the hardest part just day in, day out. How do we make this a little bit better every day so that a user finds value faster, quicker, cheaper kind of thing? So when did uh, Nudge.ai first come to the market then? So we started the company about three years ago, a little over three mm-hmm. years ago, but we didn't really bring out our free product about a year ago and our commercial product about four or five months ago. Mm-hmm. Wow, so that's two years in development then, testing yes. and having people try it out, beta testers, and yeah, it's this AI stuff is yeah, this AI stuff's kind of hard. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and well, could you actually explain a little bit how how AI is integrated into your platform, how you're sure. using it? Absolutely. So, I think there's a couple of things. The first thing I'll say is that we provide insights around people and company, just like with any solution um, that's doing that. You have to know who those people and companies are. And so as a good example, you know, there's, I have five different, you know, I have Paul Tashima, I have Paul Tashima on my Gmail, I have my Twitter handle, I have all these different identities. And so when we go out and look for an article or something that's happening about Paul Tashima, one, we have to know it's actually me. Mm-hmm. And it's associated with one of those identities that is me and not some other Paul Tashima. And then we have to know that it's mainly about me. It's, I'm not, it's not like in somewhere met reference or mention or in a list and so when we provide that insight to a person we read that content and do something called topic modeling to understand how about is that article about paul and then provide that to you and it gets smarter and smarter all the time we read a hundred thousand pieces of content every day well i mean I, i've been learning more about how ai is is it being integrated i mean it, it's in some sense you know, AI is this like futuristic thing that's not here yet. And in other ways, people realize it's here right now. And what you're describing and the chat bots that people are using, and they don't even realize you're using them because um, it's so smart that like, you know, maybe there used to have to be people on the other end of that text uh, chat box, but now mostly not um, unless you can really stump it. <laughs> um, so it's really interesting to think about how it's, it's making our lives much easier. And, and do you think there's a, a next step for the products that you're, like working towards, like what's the magic end goal or maybe not the end, but the next magic level that you'd want to help us all integrate. Because I agree, like the problem that you're stated is one that I talk about all the time in the show. I mean, it's our weakest connections that are going to get us the most innovation, the ideas, the inspiration, but nurturing those connections. Like I, you know, the inner circle, we know we talk to all the time, the next layer out, we probably have a pretty good handle on that. I mean, maybe somewhat better systems are needed, but it's that third layer out, you know, the people that you, like you said, you know, that you, you see a name pop up on LinkedIn because they got a new job. <laughs> and the automatic response is like, congrats on your new job. <laughs> it's like they prompt you to send that. But other than that, you don't really know anything about them. And so that's kind of, I feel like the, 
what you're trying to solve is the in-between when you're like, well, someone just popped on my radar. I wonder what else they're up to right now. And then have a more meaningful connection than just the auto response that LinkedIn provides for you. Um, but what's, where do you hope that this is all going? Yeah, I think, so to, if you can imagine our core competencies, we track relationship strength, right? So I talked about insights and understanding what people's doing. And so we, t- we track 40 million business relationships today on the platform. And that's growing every day, every week. And so the idea is we want to use AI to help people, to your point, be more authentic and find the right people to engage. And, and so you and I are talking today. In the future, I see a scenario where because we've had this relationship, it's growing. Nudge would recommend to you, Robbie, who's the next CEO you should talk to because similar things, uh, maybe even close social proximity to Paul so that if you were to ask them for an interview and podcast, they're likely to say yes. Mm. And make that recommendation something that you would look at and say, wow, that's great. That You almost read my mind. That's something I want to do next. And so understanding the relationships and understanding what's going on in people's lives, we can provide these really strong and, and reasonably accurate next steps for you to do it with right. regards to your network. I'd be out of a job. <laughs> so <laughs> that's great, though. Oh, I am. So what I do is I, I use, I mean, I'm called a networking expert. You know, that's what people have said. But I realized that I, what I do is help people sort of recognize and act on the connections, the possibilities, and the opportunities that are around them every day. And too often, we're so singularly focused on our own work, or we think of networking as a thing that happens in some external place, like when we go to a conference. And my, I just had a client the other day share, and she had previously described herself as a wallflower. You know, she's in one of my masterminds. You know, she came because she knows it's something she's got to work on. And she's at a food bank volunteering and then says, wow, you know, I can actually talk to people around me. So, and it like, it stirred conversation and it led somewhere. It's like that, so networking can happen anywhere and that's like really powerful. But then often you get these really loose connections or weak ties, as Malcolm Gladwell's popularized. But then what do you do with that? Like, that's always the question that people say to me is like, oh, it's great. So now I've met more people, <laughs> but I don't know what to do with them. And I'm like, well, before you were just collecting business cards and doing nothing with them. So it's always like, we have to take it to the next stage, next stage. How were you in doing all this yourself prior to having Nudge? Was this something that you struggled with personally, like managing relationships? Or did you have your own systems you know, prior to having this tool? Uh, I think that, so first off, I probably wasn't the best networker in my early days of my career, and mm-hmm. I grew to be better at it. I, I do have an innate sense to remember facts about people, remember things that are interesting, and then circle back on that. And I naturally gravitate, obviously, one thing I didn't shy away from was I'm not a big title person. I'm a shared passions and interest matcher person. And, okay. and so it makes the um, relationships a lot more authentic, right? I'm not just trying to get to you because I want to sell you something. Right. It's like, hey, you mentioned you love skiing, or you mentioned you love great food or, you know, you're a Canadian or you could be anything. But when I find that thing that it's kind of a shared passion, I can let, lock onto it and have a good conversation. And so for me, it was much more natural. Uh, since I've been at Nudge, probably the biggest change for me has been I've been much more open to taking meetings that I wouldn't have taken before mm. um, and, and, and be willing to help people even though I'm really busy. Um, and I'd say the number one contrary advice that I give to early starting CEOs and founders is don't say no to everybody. Make sure you take a couple of meetings with people that you're not so sure is going to lead to an immediate value point for you. Because you great. never know what happens down the road. So one of the life changers for me was actually getting a calendaring tool. Um, so I use Schedule Once, but 
any of those countering tools could be useful in the sense because it made it easier to say yes. Um, so I have like a 20 minute link. I have a link that can go anywhere from 15 minutes to two hours that the person scheduling can choose. Usually people choose, you know, 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And, you know, I get to sort of tell them which link to go to, but then it's done. And the back and forth was such a hassle that I was resisting saying yes to people. But now I just, I, I probably have five or 10 of those kinds of calls a week, you know, anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. And I can actually start now after doing this for the last year, trace back business that I'm having today and into 2018 to connections and introductions that happened over the last year that, that were not part of the plan. I mean, that's part of what you're saying, right? It's, it's easy to say yes when, you tran- when a transaction is very a clear, it's a clear fit. It's harder when it's not about a transaction, but that's what develops relationships when it's, you know, the kind of people you want to meet, right? And so is, so is Nudge helping sort of suss some of that out? Um, not just the strength of the connection, but also like why you might want to continue to talk to them and what else you might have in common. Like how, yeah. how does it, how does it help in that way? Yeah. It, we look at some of that. We look at um, not just obviously strength, but how, if you're losing touch, we look at interest matching to some degree, but I would say that it's, it's still more of just surfacing things for you to look at mm-hmm. and you make more mental decisions as you look at it. Um, because we have yet to get close to replicating the human brain and uh, <laughs> you will know things that we don't. And so that's one thing about AI that thinks a little bit of a fallacy is that it doesn't, it's not magic. Like it, it needs to know things and process things in order to be able to give you real recommendations. And some of that stuff's still up here for you, especially for a networker. Okay. So now I'm feeling better because my, I think my job's secure again, because it realizes that it actually still has everything to do with mindset that if you're still a person who feels closed off and very transactional in your approach to networking, having nudge won't be as valuable to you as to somebody else who sees this in a more open way, is interested in sort of building connections with people, right? So like there is a way in which the same tool can be used very differently by different kinds of people and that there's a shift that has to happen. And maybe for you, it was it, it sounds like you went through this, like this awareness of, oh, you know, maybe I should just start saying yes more, more often and see where things go. Like what, what helped you make that shift? Because I think that's where people get stuck. I think, I think part of it was that we had a successful exit and I wanted to give back to the community. So Steve and I were lucky in that. And and we said, you know what, we want to do it again in Toronto. We want to, you know, one of the things our ecosystem was lacking was more people staying for their second and third company. And I think that was part of it. And then the other was uh, to be fair, we are, our free app is for networkers. And so uh, us being more open to it and it'll be open mm-hmm. to ne- open networking helps the business mm-hmm. and, and really supports those visions and values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're trying to be successful and you've had so much success in your life, but clearly like there's moments of fearing of failure, you've hit a lot of bumps in the road. There's a lot of risks that you have to take. What aren't you very good at? Like in, in doing all this work and what's like, what's not yours and you're like, recognize that. And then how do you manage the parts of your business that sort of aren't your strengths? Because it sounds like you've got a lot of strengths that you brought to this, but what are the parts that aren't, aren't the things you're like, oh, I love doing this all the time? You know, the funny thing is that I'm not super risk adverse for an entrepreneur. I'm probably, ah. you know, I call it, I'm more East Coast offense versus West Coast offense. So <laughs> I, I, I believe businesses should try and make money eventually. And I 
tend to hedge uh, as I think about the future versus make a giant one bet on one thing. And so I think what we what what I love about my my co-founder Steve is he's much more strategic long term. And so that natural tension between us is good because he'll say, no, 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 we can't sacrifice this. We have to go for the big thing. And I'll say, well, what about these things that are pro- these problems today? And so they get that natural push-pull between our, our company that's healthy. And so, yeah, so part of how I balance that is that I've, I have a co-founder who I've worked with for 18 years who, who thinks differently than me about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And it's differently oriented. I think the second is, um, you know, I am also someone who, although I, I love networking, I love engaging people, I'm probably not the best salesperson. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a much better customer success or customer person. And so how I supplant that is just by, as you, and as you know, I just run, make sure I run a process. I make sure I hold mm. the discipline around because sales is so much about the discipline of a process and make sure you stick to it. I'm actually been learning a lot about that the last couple of years. So I've been speaking on the topic of inclusive networking for about a decade, but only the last three years have been not working while doing that. So this has become my job, <laughs> uh, my business, become my life. Um, but I was so used to just getting on the phone or getting on a video chat and just giving advice. Like all those years, I mean, I didn't monetize. I didn't call myself a coach. <laughs> just like, you know, here's five things to do next. And so learning how to say less, right? Like offer value, but not give away the entire thing, but just enough that people realize you can really help them and ask more questions. And that's been like such a learning curve for me to realize that it's not that I'm trying to, I want a relationship not to solve their problem and then have them go away. Um, before I wasn't thinking about it as a long-term relationship with a client. I was just thinking like, oh, I'm just gonna give you a little bit of advice. Like it's like meeting someone for coffee versus establishing a client relationship. <clears throat> and that's been a shift for me. And it's funny because my background's fundraising. And I'm actually curious. Um, I, so I ran fundraising events, did major gift work. And I'm thinking about how Nudge might actually help in that realm as well. Do you have a development, sort of nonprofit development fundraising sort of angle to all of this? I think the application could be used for that. I, I, we're not going after that vertical very mm-hmm. hard, uh, but I certainly see the scenario where, especially on donor management or sure. you're running events, uh, could be very useful because you're right. That's all network and relationships, right? Um, yeah. I mean, it's similar to other industries as well that are run all network relationships like law firms or banking. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, to be fair to date, we've worked a lot in B2B sales, technology and services. Uh, but I could definitely see some of those playing out in the future. What's great is that the product you've created is almost agnostic to, to the vertical. And you have to kind of build one vertical up really strongly. And then you can always expand and find new ones to develop. Uh, because the tool itself will, like you said, as long as relationships are the basis of the business, then it, it, it would have a lot of value to add. Um, so I'm just thinking about it from my like past world and my old, my old hats that I've worn, how helpful it would be to open up an email and like know things going on in that donor's life because that's often the thing we don't know. You know, you're, you're about to get on a phone call and you're like, I don't know what's going on in this person's life. And like, no matter how much research you've done, you know, you may not know, but the thing that just happened yesterday that they posted about themselves, like that's part of it is like, you know, we're amazed at how much people really will share about themselves. Absolutely. So being an entrepreneur and you've been at this a long time, um, there's not a really clear, you know, time off switch. Um, you know, like you close the door, <laughs> go home, you know, it's much more fluid than that. And so this is a question really about, I mean, I, 
it's not really work-life balance. Um, this feels like a misnomer. Maybe it's like work-life integration or I guess my question about this would be, how do you know when you're not at work? Like what's the, you know, what's the switch for you that helps you see like, okay, I'm turning all that off for a moment and I'm getting really focused on something else. You know, I think for me, uh, how do I explain this? Uh, so I, I was the opposite in my first startup. I was always on and um, I didn't know how to turn it off. And I was, you know, laptop at the table or phone out or whatever. Didn't matter what was going on. I was always checking. And that was, I think that painful experience, which was not good and, and certainly not healthy for me or my family, I think has led me to know when I sense that feeling coming, I know to not to turn it down. Mm. In other words, if I, if I feel like I'm back, I get home for dinner, I get home for dinner most nights in the week, hopefully, well, maybe a little less now, but um, uh, that time is dinner time and I'm, I'm there with my wife and my kids. And, and so if I get that urge, though, I got to just check one thing. I really, I remember to suppress it because of my previous problem with it. And so mm. I guess for me, it's like almost like I'm a recovering workaholic. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how I, that's how I know. Yeah. There's a, there's a, how, how old are your kids, by the way? Nine and six. Nine and six. So I, I have a, an almost two-year-old. And at the time of this recording, I'm about to have a second child. So by the time this comes out, I'll have a one or two month old. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. So yes, you know, like how to be very present with your family, I think is a real lesson. And for you, it seems like you've gone through the painful experience of not being very present. Was there a moment of like a wake up call? Like what's the, what was the, um, you know, did, was there, <laughs> did someone have to come and sit you down and like do an intervention <laughs> with you about it? Or was it like a gradual awareness? Like this isn't really working for us. Well, I, I think that, I mean, I think it's a bit of both. Like, I think obviously uh, I realized it was not working. I was, uh, it wasn't what I wanted. It wasn't, you get caught up in it. And, and, you know, the one thing about, about the first startup uh, we did was yeah, all eggs were in one basket. Right. And this is one of the hard things. Like you've taken out I think when I started, I was making 18 grand a year and living at home as a 28 year old guy. Like it was, it was really tough. And I think when you put all your eggs in one basket, you kind of have this, well, I have to make it successful and I have to ride it out. And, and it becomes almost desperate towards the end. And I think mm. now it's a little different to be fair. I mean, much more financially independent. I've got through, got the battle scars of that journey. And so it's also just knowing that what I want is, you know, real time with my family. I mean, that's the number mm. one thing for me. So yeah. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah. You're, and it sounds like you're defining success very differently, but you also now have more uh, support to make that possible, right? Like, yes, I think that's right. The eggs in all one basket is definitely a metaphor where like, yeah, you'd, I'd be very careful with those eggs. They were all one basket. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as your own network has, has grown, you know, between the, the past startup, the current one, the work you've done in, in your world, like, are you doing something besides using Nudge, which I think is a great platform for this, but what are your other practices for nurturing those sort of looser connections in your world? So I'm, uh, there's a couple things. I, 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 I've involved in um, some things that aren't necessarily directly tied to the business that I think get me into different networks. You mentioned weak ties. We really believe in the strength of weak ties, the, mm-hmm. the Grant of Vetter theory that was popularized by Gladwell. And mm-hmm. I think that so, for example, I joined the Tech Advisory Council for the Hospital for Sick Kids for Toronto. And involved in that community exposes me to a lot of people, a lot of incredible things that are so different than what mm. I see in the tech world. 
And so to constantly trying to get myself engaged into network groups that are different than me, what I'm used to is, is one way for me to broaden my network and understand how to grow as a person. Right. I think the second for me is, um, you know, I do believe that, uh, every day I, I try and reach out to at least one person that has meant something to me in the past that I haven't talked to in a while. And, and even it's just, if it's just a one-way communication, like, Hey, I just saw this congratulations and keep that mantra of one a day. I mean, that's, that's as simple as I try and do it. Do you have a, a list of people that you would want to reach out to like that? Or is it really just like they pop in your head? I, well, I mean, I use nudge every day. I, I look <laughs> up nudge and I scroll through my losing, Got it. losing yeah. touch uh, list and, and I choose one person. Um, sometimes it comes out of LinkedIn or somewhere else too, to be fair, but yeah. as long as I get that one a day. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said a moment ago about um, like making an effort to go to places that will be different than the network you currently exist in, particularly the tech space. The next book that I want to write is about um, diversifying your network and the value of that and examples of how to do it. Because I think people first need to believe that it is important. And so could you just say for a minute, like, why do you think um, why, why do you so value the strength of weak ties? Like what does it mean for you as a person and as a business owner? Well, because you don't, the best, if you just hang around with people that you know, you are not challenged on new ideas. It's just like-minded people. I mean, that's not a bad thing. That's a comfort zone. It's when you get outside of that to people that are weak, weak ties that you get exposed to brand new ideas uh, new opportunities. I mean, your best opportunities are typically not with the people you know, because it's just reinforcing stuff that you already know. Yeah. And so I think that by forcing yourself outside that, you really get exposed and learn new things. And, and it's one of the real ways you grow in your career. What um, tipped it for you that that was something you wanted to like make an effort to work on? Was there something that made you like led you to that realization? Or was that somebody who, were you always someone who always thought that way? I didn't always think that way at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I think part of what I did with Nudge was actually uh, talk to some people who were more, more naturally uh, a networker and naturally yeah. going to all these other places. And they told me some incredible stories of people mm. that they met and circled back eventually ended up helping them in some strange way. And, and I just felt that for a guy who's been pretty isolated in terms of the people I know and, and in tech, um, it was really important for me to broaden and, and understand what's going on outside of my circle. Yeah, so my my hope is to include like the basics of what you just described of the why, and then list a bunch of hows. And it, it's so easy today to do this if you're wanting to, because there's meetup groups and boards you can join and um, associations you can be a part of. And you know, like in some ways, you want to be the only in the room of like your profession. Like you know, if you're if you're a lawyer, you don't want to show up always with a bunch of lawyers. It's not very good for business. <laughs> they don't need your help. <laughs> so it's really thinking about like you know where are the people that might be interested in what you're doing, but like even broader than that. And so I'm I really work the um, the alumni networks that I've gone through, whether like leadership programs that I've been a part of over my life, and you know there's these vast amazing networks of executives all around the country. And I'm like, okay, like. I joined for that. I mean, the, the program's great, but I'm like, I want to really understand who's in the, who's in the room with me, uh, virtually speaking. So yes, thank you for reinforcing how important that can be. And it feels like Nudge is helping you think about that in a different way, which is cool because I hadn't actually you know, thought of it uh, in this way. So it's given me another, another way to think about how to use that tool. 
I've actually got a very short, funny story for you. Oh, if I can go be for it, Paul. Yeah. I, I have this term I call, have you ever played the game Minesweeper? Mm-hmm. You know, when you, and, you, and often if you click one square, sometimes like the whole thing kind of explodes and opens up. Yeah, yeah. Click. I kind of feel that's what happens with the weak tie relationship thing, right? So huh. sometimes you get a weak tie and all of a sudden it's like, wow. And so what happened, and I'll, I'll really condense it, is I, this woman that reached out to me to talk about startups, and, uh, but she didn't want to join her company. She just, and I, I didn't even know who she was. And so I said, sure. And I got referred to her by someone else. And through a long securitous thing, that started a chain reaction, I think it was 20 steps. I ended up at the, 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 the Patriots, New England Patriots game, op- season opener, huh. second row of the 50-yard line. I'm a huge Pats fan. Wow. So I, I traced it back. It was probably 20 steps over a year that started with that one meeting with that person that I wouldn't wow. have taken normally. And so I owe her a lot. <laughs> so I, I would say that one of the difficulties of your story is actually tracing it back to the original connection and saying thank you. Because that's the thing I think we all need to work on. Because you know, if you make an introduction for me, I'll say thank you right away. But then 20 steps later, that person you know, does something amazing for me in some way, how do I remember to trace it back to you as being the person who originally made that connection? So I'm, I've really upped my game about that in the last year to not just say thank you to the person who makes the magic happen, but the person who facilitated me meeting that person mm-hmm. um, because clearly they're good at doing this. <laughs> and I want to keep saying thank you because they're good at making those kinds of introductions. Um, so that's always a hard process. And I also want to say, since I'm in the Boston area, Go Pats. Yeah. <laughs> so, good, good. so that's cool. That's cool that you're, um, you're up there in Toronto and you're still like rooting on the Pats. Um, so if you had the opportunity to speak to either yourself at 25 as you were just starting out, or you can also think of this as the advice you'd give someone else who's in their mid-20s kind of getting started, what would be your number one advice for building a strong and supportive professional network? Uh, it, would be, it would be this concept of give to give, right? I, I think helping others uh, is something that always pays back, and and so and and really do it. Don't don't worry about role or title. Like w- do it with people that you enjoy spending time with, mm. um, and I think find those shared passions, those those overlapping interests. That would be it. And I was not that when I was twenty five. I was like, oh, I gotta I gotta up my game and meet you know more senior people, and I've gotta you know look for them a senior person in the room and try and make them the, the connection and. You know, it was very old school, not proper thinking. What's really remarkable about the advice you're giving is um, you could easily be talking to a peer who then surpasses you on the career ladder and becomes a boss. <laughs> so you really don't know. I mean, like people's uh, career tracks are very different and someone could like leap ahead and remember that you were kind to them and generous to them at a time when you were equals or even maybe you were someone who supervised them and now suddenly they're like the owner of the company you want to work for because, you know, it doesn't require a 30-year, you know, history anymore in the workplace for you to suddenly be the owner of something. So good advice and something hopefully everyone listening can take to heart if they're at the beginning of their career. But I actually can imagine a lot of folks who are in the, even the C-suite can start thinking about that even more for themselves because, again, you never know who you're talking to. So if we had the opportunity to meet a year from now and we are sitting around toasting to all the amazing accomplishments that you've experienced in the last year, what are we going to be celebrating? Uh, number one, I, I think we're going to be celebrating, hopefully more people than ever are valuing their network. So, you know, today we have 15,000 platform people on the platform. 
I would love to see triple that on the platform, just helping nurture their own network. I think the other thing is, is that for us, you know, this idea that selling, you know, there's two trends that are happening in selling today. One is use more automation, amp up the volume, and one out of a thousand is going to bite. And I would love to see this, the selling world switch to spend time, invest in relationships, play the long game. Now, maybe a year, it's not going to change from that, but I would love to yeah. see that starting. And that's what we believe in is that long game is really important. Wow. You're so speaking my language. So, Paul, uh, how can people find you and follow your work? So you can uh, find us at nudge.ai. That's, that's, that's where you go if you want to see the company. I'm on Twitter at Paul Tashima. And it's T-E-S-H-I-M-A. And you can also get me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I'm usually pretty good about connecting with someone as long as they invest some time to, to reach out with the right message. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Robbie. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Paul Tashima. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 77. That's also where you'll find all the links from today's episode. And don't forget, I'm offering a complimentary 60-minute strategy session for anyone interested in learning more about my Intentional Connections Mastermind, an online group coaching program for women coaches and speakers. If you're ready to shift, discover, and act, Sign up for your complimentary 60-minute strategy session at robbysamuels.com forward slash mastermind. If you enjoyed this episode with Paul, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I would love to read your review in iTunes. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. And I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be interviewing another talented professional about their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's on the schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.